All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Good afternoon, Metro Praise International. How's everybody doing this afternoon? Yes, amen, amen. Man, I am so excited about today. Um, if you guys were here for the first service, man, we just had great baptism. And we're going to keep it going in second service, man. So many people gave their lives to the Lord, made a dedication to be baptized and, you know, dedicate their lives to serving the Lord and loving the Lord. And we're going to keep that going today. So if you have plans for after service, don't go anywhere. We've got a barbecue as well as baptisms to, right. to follow. But uh, I'm just so glad you guys are here today. So why don't we all stand up real quick? We're going to get, I'm going to kick this service off. I'm going to have my sister, Rachel. Uh, testify of what God's been doing in her life lately. So please give a warm welcome for Rachel as she makes her way up. Amen. I am so excited. Um, but what I want to share with you guys today is that, man, God is in the business of second, third, fourth chances, right? How many of you guys have felt the grace of God and have known his grace? Well, um, the scripture I want to bring to you is, um, it's in Psalms, and it says, you know, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And, um, and I was just reminded, um, watching on Facebook, all these people preparing to get baptized. And I remember when I was baptized, and I remember I fell away from the Lord, and I remember that, man, that moment where I said I wanted to stop playing games with God, and God captured my heart, and he said, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're second third time coming to me come and get right and so my encouragement to you today in reflection of my life and God having grace over me and saying come back to me and also as we're preparing to see people get baptized today and saying I'm going to start my life right my encouragement to you is that man God never leaves you never forsakes you he is waiting with open arms and if this is your first time at church or your hundredth time at church I want you to know that God is ready to rock your life Amen. if you give him a chance so God is good let's close our eyes and let's pray before this service Jesus, I want to thank you so much, Lord God, for your presence today. I want to thank you, Lord God, that you are, Father God, in the business of changing lives. And I pray that today would be the day that people say yes to you, Lord. Yes. I pray that you would have your way from the first song, Father God, all the way to the baptisms, to the preaching of the word. Have your way today, Jesus. Let your name be glorified today. And we love you and we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus, everyone said amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good in this place, and this is just the time where we want to just wake ourselves up. We want to get moving around today. We want to be joyful in the Lord. It says, make a joyful noise into the Lord. And we want you guys to move around, start clapping. And if you guys feel compelled, we got a whole dance floor up here at the altar for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We honor you. We praise you today, God, at the break of day. Hope we rise, we speak your name, we lift our eyes, we tune our hearts to your beat. Where we walk, there you'll be, with fire in our eyes, our lives alive, your love on tape, we're blazing out, the streets will go forever bright. 
we can see the violence end, so we can see love pour out, God. Wake us up, oh God. Put fire in our eyes, God. Put fire in our eyes and in our, in our lips, oh God. Put fire in our eyes. that this world will pass away God but your kingdom is coming and it will never ever fade and we get to be with you forever God because you are the cornerstone of our lives and we just want to take this time to just worship you God oh Lord God you are so good oh God let let just just want to spend a little time in your presence, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this place. We know that we can't trust in the things of this world because all these things will pass away. But God, you won't. Things will fail us. God, people will fail us. But you never fail.
to worship you, to join in with the angels, to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We bless your name today. We glorify you. We make you big. We magnify your name over Chicago. Pour out your spirit over our city, oh God. Save our city. Chicago belongs to you. If you want Jesus to change Chicago, come on and make some noise as we close out. Chicago for Jesus. Chicago will be saved. Chicago belongs to our God. Woo! My God belongs in my city. Praise the Lord. Give your neighbor a high five this morning as you make your way back to your seat. It is a Sunday of celebration. And we actually celebrate the Lord's victory every single day. Praise God. Praise God. He is so real. His presence is in this place. We feel his love. We thank you for joining us this morning. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And I want to preach the gospel to you this morning out of Colossians I want to preach the gospel to you. The gospel means good news. Look to your neighbor and say, she's got good news for you. The gospel is not bad news. It's not sad news. It's good news because it's the news of Jesus Christ coming to take our place on the cross for taking our punishment so that we can have life and life to the fullest. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, it says, for he, talking about Jesus, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. God the Father rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of Jesus in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want to let you know today that in Jesus is the forgiveness of sins. Only he has the power to forgive us of our sins, to heal us of our sicknesses, to heal us of our sorrows. That's why he came. That's why he took your place on that cross, my place on the cross. He paid the penalty, the punishment that was for mankind. We separated ourselves from the relationship with God the Father. And Jesus came and he took our place and he shed his blood so that we could be saved. The Bible says there is no salvation found in anybody else. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the good news today is for those that are not right with God. You have not been born again. You can bow your knee today. You can confess him as Lord today before it's too late. Every other God, lowercase g, will bow at the feet of Jesus. Only he rules and reigns in righteousness. He created the heavens. He created the earth. And he created you. He knows you more than you know yourself. Today is a day of salvation. With all eyes closed all across this room, I want to let you know that Jesus can take you out of darkness and bring you into his kingdom. Bring, to, bring you into his kingdom of light and redeem you from the powers of the devil, redeem you from a life of sin, and forgive you and make you new. I want to pray with you this morning. If you're serious about getting right with God, you're serious about being born again, allowing the Spirit of God to make you new, I'm going to pray, and I want you to agree with me. Dear Jesus, 
I thank you for every single person in this room. I pray that they would not resist you, but that they would come to you and receive this free gift, this free gift of salvation, that they don't have to do anything to earn, and they just come as they are, and they humble themselves before you, and they surrender to you, their Savior, and say, Jesus, forgive me. Lord, we thank you for your blood that you shed on Calvary, that it is upon us all, and all we do, all we have to do is take it. You seek, you came to seek and save the lost. Do that in this room today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. If you know God is tugging on your heart and you want to get right with God, we have our prayer workers right here, Pastors Tony and Jerry. They would love to pray with you during our fellowship time. Go to them and say, i got to get right with God. Today is my day. God's been drawing me. I've been feeling him move me closer to him. And then find out how you could get plugged into the church so that you can be discipled. Come on. If you could stand up with me to your feet today. At this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith. The reason why we do this is because it's our Christian worldview. This is the lens in which we see society, the lens in which we see our world today. And we want to declare it. We want to have this be our statement that we stand upon. This is our firm foundation. This is truth. Everybody wants to think that you can make your own truth, but this is the absolute truth of Scripture. That's how we see our world, is through a Christian worldview. If you're with me, let's recite it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on. He is worthy. Spend some time fellowshipping. Meet somebody. Give somebody a hug. Our prayer workers are there for you. Enjoy the service.
All right, who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on. Praise the Lord. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. If this is your first time here, we want to welcome you. Keep on coming back. To, look to your neighbors. Say, keep on coming back. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus, winning their friends for the Lord. It's a powerful time for our young people. We want to welcome you to our MPI baptisms and barbecue. Come on, who's getting baptized today? Woo! I want to personally thank you all who came to support the ones that are getting baptized. Friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, we thank you for your support and love for the ones that have committed themselves to Jesus and they want to shout it from the rooftops today. They're not ashamed of God. They're going to get baptized. We had such a powerful time in the first service. We're ready to do it again. Thank you all for coming out. It's going to be an awesome time. We want to let you know that our sermon series, the new one for September, is the kingdom of God. Come on. Look to your neighbor and say, the kingdom of God is in you. We're so excited about all that God is going to show us in this series. We want to invite you to keep on coming back for the month of September. You will be blessed. Don't miss it. Keep inviting your friends and your family. Here at MPI, our vision is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. So we strive to live that way with all of our heart. And our discipleship strategy here is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say it with me. Connect mentor and send the way we want to connect you to the church and connect you to jesus is through our life groups and the back of your handout you have a list of life groups that you can choose from to connect to find the place that meets your needs as a family there's so many different kinds times ages that could meet your needs so that you can find a place to connect and build friendships in the church here's a snapshot of what we have coming this week today we're kicking it off with our single mamas come on they're meeting at 5 p.m with childcare, if you're a single mom, that's where you want to be. They are mighty women of God, and they will bless your life. Tuesday, the Resistance Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, meeting here at the church at 6 p.m. Wednesday, Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Wednesday, Keen's Kids, come on for our little ones. Infant to 11 years old at 6.30 every single week for our little ones. Drop them off. Have some free time, parents. This is where your children get to learn about Jesus. Be discipled. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. But it's just a powerful time for them. Every Friday. Say every Friday. We have two adult Bible studies. One at the Goveas. The other one is at the Walker's house. 18 years and up. Child care is included at both 7 p.m. If you're an adult, that's where you want to be. Build friendships. Get deeper in God's word. Be encouraged. You're not called to live this life for Jesus by yourself. And then Friday, uh, Saturday, we have the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group. Come on, Ambassadors. 11 to 18 years old, 3 p.m. at the church. And Saturday every week, our evangelism team goes out. All ages are welcome, 5 p.m. to share your faith on the streets. And then we want to mentor you. We have leaders ready to, to take you through the 101 book. Welcome to your new life to take you through this journey with you with Jesus. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where you continue your discipleship journey and get trained to be a leader. Then we want to send you out to win more souls for the Lord. 
and uh, win more for his kingdom. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. amen. And if you want to be a part of that, say amen. amen. Come on. God is doing awesome things in our city, around the world. God is so good. At this time, we're going to dive into our lesson from the Disciples Giving book. We are on section three, all about stewardship, lesson seven. Stewards are to be fruitful, okay? We're going to be reading in John 15, 5. You could follow along on the screen or you could turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verse 5. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. God wants us to manage everything in our life wisely. And that wisdom comes from him. Let's read in John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is nothing that we can do in this life without the Lord. We must stay connected to him so that we could bear much fruit for his kingdom. Let's read the three main points from this passage of scripture. Number one, God is the source of all blessings. Jesus taught the disciples that he was the vine and they were the branches. This means that everything the branches produce comes from the vine. Apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. And as believers here today, we have to believe that without God, we can't get through this life. Everything that we have, everything that we're able to accomplish and do with our hands, work, raise our family, be a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, it comes from his energy, his strength, his power. Number two, we must remain in Jesus. Look to your neighbor and say, remain in Jesus. Success can sometimes bring pride into people's heart and get them cut off from Jesus. We need to always remember that following Jesus and being connected to him is more important than worldly things. So the things that we can have materialistically on this earth cannot take the place of Jesus. Don't allow pride and this mentality of I'm a self-made man or I'm a self-made woman. Every blessing that you have comes from God. The oxygen in our lungs, we don't cause it to be there. Our heart beating is because God allowed that to happen. Every morning we wake up, we must give glory to God and bear fruit for him. Number three, bear much fruit. Jesus desires to give you much fruit in life. If you remain faithful to Jesus, that's the key word, faithful. He will make you fruitful. Being fruitful in life includes in your finances, your family, and spiritual growth. Be fruitful in your finances. Give God glory with your finances. Your marriage should reflect what the scripture talks about. Have, live a life of fullness. Being connected to Jesus, staying connected to the vine, being faithful to him will allow you to see fruit in those three areas. Here's a summary. Be faithful to Jesus and he will make you fruitful. Faithfulness produces fruitfulness. You can never lose on that. Here's the application. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after the tithe. Two, get connected and stay connected to Jesus by obeying all of his commands. And three, pray every day for the Lord to make you fruitful in all you do. If you're with me on that, if you want your life to reflect that, let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you're with me, stand up to your feet with me this afternoon, please, as we prepare to give the Lord our best. 
our tithes and our offerings. We believe that God will multiply it so that we can reach our city and the nations for him. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of our total income, and anything above that is an offering, which we designate towards missions and building. And currently, we are in a building fund, raising the monies for the lit up Metro Praise International Church sign to go across the building in the front outside. We thank you for all the generous givers. We've partnered together. We're more than halfway there, and we're going to see that sign up by the end of the year, if not sooner. So we thank you for your partnership. We also have two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church using your credit or debit cards. One is at our easy-to-use website, and the second one is in the back with either myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, please see me after service. Let's recite this together. Luke 6, 38. Get, Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in our life, God. And in turn, we will remain faithful to you, connected to you, connected to the vine, so that all that we do, all that you've given us to manage, God, can bring glory to your name. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver today. I pray that you multiply it to meet the needs of your people in the city, that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. I pray that you would bring promotions and raises and prosperity and favor for everybody in here. And I just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to our lives. And Jesus said, and everybody said... Amen. Amen in Jesus' name. Take your time. Come on up to the front as you give. And thank you so much for your generosity. for a baby dedication on a baptism day. Yeah, we're going to do a baby dedication. Can I get Vanessa and Chris Vitali to come forward, please, with baby Nessa Denise Vitali. Vitali. Baby Nessa. We love you guys so much. Look at little baby Nessa. They're getting so big. How are you doing, my brother? Love you. Good to see your family out here. Thank you guys for supporting them. I'm going to have you share in just a little bit. But, uh, you know, today we're doing um, dedications and baptism. So we don't want to switch it. We don't want to baptize babies and dedicate adults. And the reason why that is is because Jesus never baptized babies. So if you ever show me in the Bible Jesus or the apostles baptizing babies, then we'll do that. And I have a lot of them. We'll start having fun. Okay, we can have a pool party with mine. I got four. 
But what you see in the Bible is that the kingdom of God is promised to children. And so what God would do uh, through Jesus is what Matthew says is that he would place his hands on them and he would bless them and pray for them. Oh, is that okay if I do that? Am I supposed to not do that? I see to ask first. Excuse me. Excuse me. Over here. Can I pray for you today? Okay, so anyways... That's what we do with our kids. And now watch what is baptism. You'll learn about that a little bit today. Baptism is a commitment of somebody to serve God. So we're not like the Catholic Church that baptizes babies and then recommits adults through confirmation. We pray for babies because they belong to God. If they were to die, they would still go to heaven. See, that's what that thinking comes from. You better baptize them because if they were to die, they're not going to heaven. But that's not true. Everybody say the devil's a liar. Now, don't get mad at me if I'm talking about Aunt Mima's religion or, or Uncle Bob's religion. I have family members that go to the Catholic Church, too, and I love them as well. Amen? I'm just telling you the truth. But we're praying for this child. Why? We're praying that this child will grow up strong, live its life for God, and when she is old, she won't depart from it, but she'll make her own decision to serve God. Now, if you're going to ask me when is the age of accountability, we really don't know. I think I began to understand right and wrong who I was, my earliest memories, right around kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I think God gives us that time to grow up and make those decisions, and that's why we should raise our children in church so that as earliest as they can know who they are and know right from wrong, they can choose Jesus. Amen? And so what we're going to do is dedicate. We're switching off. Do I get next? We'll just keep handing her off. Uh, and maybe the grandparents next. So what we're just going to do is we're just going to bless this little one, and we're going to pray that she grows up strong, that she knows God, that when she's older, she'll choose Jesus, that the parents who also have another child, baby Josiah is around here somewhere. He's not so much a baby anymore. Josiah! Josiah! How you doing? How you doing, dude? He's so cool. Look at everybody say hi to Josiah. And we want him to keep living for God. So here's our, here's our poem for her on our dedication that we give. A precious baby girl the Lord has blessed you with. Sent down to you from heaven God's precious little gift. May you know God's leading to raise her in his love so she may become a woman of God with her faith in God above. So I would like to give this to you. And then also like to share a scripture that I've already mentioned. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Start off children on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And so that's what we're believing. And one day she will be baptized. And our youngest that we baptized today in our first service was six years old. And she's really understanding it. I wanted to make sure that she did. My children, are my oldest is five and six, and I think give them another six months to a year, they're going to understand it as well. So parents, don't be under pressure to do it. God is gracious. God is kind to our children, but we'll know when to do it. Um, we're going to pray, and then Vanessa and Chris also have some news about them moving out of state to pursue their dreams and goals, and they've been a part of our church for many years, and so we're going to honor them for that in just a moment, but let us just pray and dedicate Nessa right now. So could we all just close our eyes as an attitude of prayer and bless baby Nessa. Lord, we thank you for Nessa. We thank you, God, that she is precious, she is special, and she is a gift from you to this wonderful family. I pray, Lord, that she'll continue to grow up healthy and strong, that you'll bless her all the days of her life, that, Lord, she will know you. 
God, more than anything in this world and that she'll never depart from you. And I also pray special blessings upon Chris and Vanessa that you will keep them strong as parents as now they're raising two. You'll financially provide through their jobs and through their giftings. And God, I pray that they'll always do what is right and, and raising up their children, Lord. And if they make a mistake, let them do what's right then and say they made a mistake and be quick to confess. Because I know as parents we do, and we need to teach our children how to say we're sorry. So, Lord, thank you for this wonderful day, and especially for baby Nessa. Lord, bless them all. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Now, why don't you guys stay standing up here because Pastor Sue Ellen wants to come up and give you a special gift and really on behalf of Metro Praise, send you guys off as you move out of state today. I think you guys are even leaving today. Pastor Sue Ellen, would you come? Can we just give a hand clap for the Vitality service to Metro Praise? Sue Ellen, on behalf of the church, would you say some of the kind words in your heart and then I'll share something as well? Yes, um, Vanessa and Chris have been a joy to our lives to have just their sweetness um, and kindness and always speaking truth into the lives of our people here has been a great joy. So we really love their family and their kids. It's been a joy to see them come together, get married, now have two beautiful children. So we're thankful to know you guys. <laughs> And let me just add to this. You know, the Bible says, who can find a faithful person? You know, and they're rare to find. I believe that you guys have been faithful. You guys helped start the Wicker Park campus, and there's a lot of people that remember those days and what you guys did. And not only that, but just the day-to-day discipleship. I believe Natalia is getting baptized and you were a great influence into her life and so many others that are here. And, and you guys have always done it right. You know, when, when things came up and, and, you know, like with Chris and the health and we got to pray for Chris. I don't want to get too much into his personal business, but he suffers from migraines and it's really disabilitating. And we just want to pray that you receive a healing. I know it's a lot of what you're going to be getting service for over there. Not that you're a card needing service. You're gonna, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to be getting help and, you know, this Loved on, loved on. But you know what I'm saying. But you guys were always just so gracious. You always let the church know and all the people that you've invited into your home. And I just hope that you know that you're loved. And as Vanessa leaves today, I hope that she can have these roses as a reminder of our love. And if you ever need anything, let us know. And you're only about an hour away from my parents' retirement village. So we can either come see you or you can come to the retirement village and come play uh, croquet. Not croquet. Uh, we could play croquet. I don't even know. what uh, Croquet is like this with a little thing. What is this? Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard, because we should be there in April. Let's get some of the elders. Matter of fact, all the elders and deacons who are present, would you guys come and stand around this wonderful family? Would you guys stand in the front, please? We're just honoring somebody in our church that's been with us for many years. Is that okay? Amen. Why don't you guys face us? Why don't you do that? Amen. We don't want to embarrass you if you start to cry. I'm kidding. Guys, come on around them. We're just going to pray for traveling mercies, a new job, uh, blessings upon their family, just so many of these things. Health for Chris. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the Vitalis. We thank you for their faithful service to you here. Lord, I wish there was so much more that we could do for them, God, but the little that we have, God, we're going to send them off with, which is our support, our love, 
God, just this gift of the flowers to the remind them of all of our thankfulness. And, Lord, I pray that what we can't do, God, you will continue to do through others. Lord, I pray that you'll um, help them with the finances and with the job, Lord, and uh, with Chris's health, that you will miraculously heal him or give a doctor wisdom to discover what causes these uh, disabilitating migraines, and that, Lord, all things will work together for your good, and that they will know how much they were appreciated here. They were a part of our family, and though they're gone, they're not out of our lives. This is only an I'll see you later, not a goodbye. And we love them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord one more time for this precious family? Would you just talk to your neighbor and tell them how much you appreciate them as some of our leaders tell the Vitalis how much we appreciate them? Just tell somebody you love them right now. If you would like, you can open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be talking today about abundant grace. Everybody say, God's abundant grace. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's been our sermon series scripture for the whole summer of grace. Hashtag summer of grace. Hashtag it's all about that grace. So if anybody wants to be cool, you can hashtag that right now. Hashtag getting baptized in grace. Anything else you could think of about grace, hashtag it right now if you're cool. If you're not cool, don't hashtag anything. Because I don't want no, no non-cool people hashtagging. Only cool people can hashtag. I'm looking at all my young people. Yeah, you all better do it. Somebody say abundant grace. God does nothing cheap or limited. What God does is always in abundance. When God created the space, he created an abundance amount of space. It's still ever expanding because the Bible says he stretched forth the heavens. We know this through astronomy. When God created the oceans, he didn't just create a few. He created an entire gallon, or gallons, excuse me. He created an entire planet of water. Do you know that there's more water than there is land? When he created the sky, he didn't create just a little you're not just sucking on just a little bit of air right now <laughs> oh god send more air <laughs> no there's an abundance of air is it there aren't you thankful for these things when god created human beings he just didn't create a few he created adam and eve to populate the whole planet did you know that when god created adam and eve he knew that you would come from them and the entire population of the world so when god created them he had the entire population of the world god does nothing cheap and that when jesus died on the cross somebody say Jesus thank you when Jesus died on the cross it wasn't limited nor was it cheap it was for all of mankind and it was for all of mankind's sins for everyone and for everyone's sins everybody say everyone and everyone's sins God is not limited in his grace. I want you to see this passage. We've read it every week as we've learned. And then every sermon, we have a different sermon scripture. But this is the series scripture. Let's hear it again. As a matter of fact, can we all read it together on the count of three? One, two, three. For it is by grace. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by 
one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. We've been learning new things about this passage every week. If you've missed them, go back to mpichurch.org, and you'll see all of our messages there and notes online for free. But you know what? Instead of going deep, theological on this passage, you know what I want to do? I want to give you three testimonies of people who have lived this out, who God has already changed their life, and you can be inspired by their testimony today because if God did it in them, God will do it in you. Let me start off with not the least, not the last, but the best right here, Stephen Ramos. Come on, give it up for this man right here. Awesome man of God. They're already shouting for you. Come on, Steve. You know, for me, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure for all of us, man, we could talk about abundant grace in our lives in every area of our life and probably be up here all day. So when I think about abundant grace, I go back when Jesus saved my life, and that was in a jail cell. And at that time when I heard God's voice inside this cell, I thought actually he was coming to confront me about my sin. And say, how dare you come into this world and live this life the way you lived it, you know, to the fullest of your understanding and so wicked, trying to take other people's lives and living in gangs and drugs and gang, you know, uh, gang chief and all this other dumb stuff. And I thought he was going to confront that. But instead, in his abundant grace, he came to me to receive me and love on me just the way I was. And to me, that was his abundant grace. He didn't come to say, hey, I'm going to accept you and your sin. He said, I'm going to come to accept you as you are and then give you more grace to change your life. And today, by the grace of God, I'm here standing as a testament of God's abundant grace, man. Living and serving people, loving God and loving people. Amen. Amen. All right. Come on, I'm going to keep it going. She's the best of the best of the best. Let's give it up for Ellie Modis, one of our youth. Come on up. Talk about God's abundant grace. She is our youngest 201 student being trained to be a leader in our church. And she took a trip to New Orleans on her first mission trip. And how old are you? 15. Um, what God has shown me through his grace is that he can really change anybody. Through his grace, he can forgive anyone. And so when I got saved, I didn't really share my faith much. But as I started really realizing that this is what God wants me to do, to just share my faith with others, I started sharing it to my mom. I'm sorry. Um, and like at first, yeah, she she didn't want to hear about it. She was like, I don't I don't want to go there. Why am I gonna go there? I'm tired. I I don't have time to go. But through God's grace, I was able to continue just sharing the gospel with her, sharing what God was doing through me. And today she's getting baptized. Oh my gosh. She's getting baptized because 
God shared his grace through me to her. God bless you. Thank you. That is amazing. Susan, Susanna rather, is getting baptized today. We're so happy for you and your family. And of course, not last, but uh, last but not least, one of the best of the best, Augustine Roman. Talk about that. Oh, all right. Um, if you were to grab a dictionary and look up the word backslider, you'd probably see my picture in it. And I guarantee you, I wouldn't be smiling. I was a bitter man, hateful man. I did not like people. And I came and went here, I, I think it was three or four times already. And the um, thing is that God's abundant grace, he still sought me out. You know, even though I was living in sin, I was going to the clubs, I was going to the raves, I was doing drugs, I was hanging out with my friends. And I had the head knowledge of salvation, but I still continued to push that away. And God's abundant grace, he did not give up on me. He still continued to convict me for two years. Every day he would convict me, remind me, come back, and I would still push him away. Through God's abundant grace, he did not give up on me until one day I just, I just couldn't deal with the conviction anymore. I couldn't fight that grace that he kept pushing in my heart, that love that he kept pushing in my heart. I said, that's it. I, I give up. I cannot fight this anymore. And uh, sorry. Um, and I just, I'm still amazed to today that he's able to give it so abundantly. You know, for a man that did not deserve it, you know. <sighs> Woo! Come on, Jesus. Do you know that eight out of ten people that attend Metro Praise International are involved in our discipleship program? The average of churches around America today is two out of ten, 20%. Do you know that out of the 10 out of 10 people that come to our church, 8 out of 10 never went to church beforehand or had been baptized or had known Jesus, where the average of churches is 90%. That means if you're at a church of 100 people, 90 people have come from another church to that church. Metro Praise is a church that is making disciples, winning the lost, and it's not happening because of just one person handing a, holding the microphone. It is because of people like you heard today. It is because of Steve getting saved on C block C cell block C and coming out and God using him with this family it's because of Augustine being a backslider not knowing really who God was and coming back and Ellie Modest witnessing to her mother so my friends I want you to hear today about God's abundant grace the grace of God that never ends so whether you're coming today from another church or whether or not you have ever heard this message I want you to listen carefully God has abundant grace for you turn with me to Romans Romans chapter 5 verse 20 and as you're turning there say abundant grace. God's grace is not limited. God's grace is not cheap. God's grace does not fail and God's grace is powerful. God's grace will transform your life. God's grace has power in your hour of need. If you truly encounter the grace of God you'll never be the same again. 
Listen to what Paul said when he talked about God's grace. This is the New Living Translation. How many are alive today? So we're going to read out of a New Living Translation. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Why was God's law given? So that people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. What happened when God's people, when the people sinned more and more? God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead. What happens to those who go from death to life? God's wonderful grace rules over their life, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does this wonderful grace result in? Eternal life. Going now to chapter 6, verses 1 and onward. Should we go on sinning so that God can show us his grace more and more? Of course not. See, we don't want to keep sinning to see more of the grace since we have died to sin how can we continue to live in it if I am dead to sin can I live in it of course not or have you forgotten that we who were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism what are we doing today baptizing people have you forgotten that those who are joined with uh, those who are baptized are joined with Christ we're joined with him in his death everybody read verse 4 together with me please one two three four we died and were buried with Christ by baptism and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father now we also may live new lives when do we start living new lives everybody say ahora we live new lives now let me tell you seven lies about grace that you might have heard before. I'm a pastor. I hear them all the time. See, God's grace can get twisted. People can talk about sloppy agape. Agape is the Greek word for love, and people can make it sloppy. My wife doesn't want me to have sloppy agape. My, lo my love for her can't be sloppy. It needs to be focused because if it gets sloppy for the secretary, gets sloppy for the girl I see walking at the park, that's not real love for her, is it? And God doesn't give us greasy grace, grace that's just so slippery you never can stand and live holy. No, that doesn't work in real life. How many times do you think I could cheat on my wife and still stay married to her? God wants us to stay in relationship with him and not keep using greasy grace to keep saying oh I'm just a sinner I fell down help me get back up God wants to live free from sin so here's seven lies that I've heard and that I've seen on TV and in culture today about God's grace how many want to learn the truth today well, one of the lies that I hear often is that man can be good without being born again so long as he keeps God's laws. Have you ever heard that? I'm a good person. I keep the commandments. And then maybe you'll ask them, have you been born again? Have you been saved? No, I didn't need to be saved. I'm all right. I was born up, uh, born in a, brought up in a good family. I don't really break many laws. I'm okay. And they think as long as they just follow a couple laws, they're okay. But I want to tell you, that's not what the law was given for. The law wasn't given to save you. Is that what Paul said here? The law was given to save you? No, he said the law was given so that you would see how sinful you are. Now, do you want to see how sinful you are? It may not be a fun thing to do, but you want to do it. I think you should. Now, let me just give you a quick example. Do you think you're a murderer? Do you think you've ever murdered anybody? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, and let's see how well you know the law. Because the law wasn't given to save you. The law was given to convict you of being a sinner. 
Now, everybody here probably thought to themselves, when I said, are you a murderer, you probably thought to yourself about that psychotic newsman that went and killed the newswoman and the cameraman, and you probably said to yourself, I've never done that. But you know what? You don't know the law very well. You don't know it, do you? Those of you who do know it, don't tell your neighbor because I want them to learn it for themselves. Look what Jesus said. Somebody say, that's what he said. You have heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder. Where did they hear this said to people long ago? Who's the person that told them you shall not murder? Moses in the Ten Commandments. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. You all remember that, right? That's probably the law you thought you were doing pretty good at. But you might not have known the rest of the law. But I tell you, somebody say, that's what Jesus said. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, let me make it clear, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And tell me whether or not you've said bad words before. This ain't nothing. This Raka just means you're calling them a dummy. Have you ever called somebody a dummy or worse? Have you ever cussed somebody out? Now you're answerable to the danger of hellfire. Anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the hellfire. How well did you know the law? You didn't think you were a murderer, but now you have been found out. What is the purpose of the law? To show you how bad you and I really are. Is there anywhere for you to hide now? Can you say, why well, didn't kill them? Well, Jesus said you didn't have to. The moment you started cursing them out, you became a lawbreaker. And the biggest lie that you could ever believe is that if you just try to keep God's commandments more, you'll be a better person. This is not going to work for you, my friends. You have to be born again. You were born a sinner, destined for hell, and that is why you sin. You don't become a sinner because you sin. You sin because you were born a sinner. Who taught my daughter how to lie at the age of three? Who's teaching my one-year-old right now how to be rebellious? Is some nursery worker sneaking back there and telling her not to listen to me? Because I just had her in my room the other day. Baby Zoe's only one. And I said, Zoe, come here. And she looked at me. She looked at the door. And then she went towards the door. And I said, Zoe, no, you come here. And she looked again, went towards the door. Who teaches our children to sin? Who teaches them to be disobedient? Who taught you those things? Now you may say, well, I'm getting convicted, Pastor. Well, let me show you some more of what the law will convict you of. Have you ever committed adultery? How well do you know the law of adultery? See, right now you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, I'm no evil Longoria. I'm not a desperate housewife. I've never done that. Well, let's keep listening to what Jesus said. Somebody say, I want to hear what Jesus said. It may not be as funny as what the person said on TV last night, but it will save you from going to hell. Amen? He said, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. Who's the one that said that? You shall not commit adultery. Moses in the Ten Commandments. But I tell you, once again, somebody say Jesus tells me, that anyone who looks at a woman or a man lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, what is the purpose of the law, according to, to Paul here? Swipe, swipe it back for me, please. He said the purpose of the law is not to save you. The purpose of the law is to convict you of your sin. Do you feel convicted yet? Well, are you must be breaking the other one then. You're a liar. Do not lie, right? Because I know you've been angry with your brother or sister. I know every one of you cute faces looking back at me has. I know you have. And I know you've lusted. I know you have because so have I. So what has the law done for you? Has it saved you? Has it saved you? 
No, what has it done? The law was given so that all people, how many people? How many people? All people could see how sinful they were. There's nowhere to hide from God's law. There's nowhere to hide from it. Don't believe the lie that you're just going to follow God's law and somehow make it your way to heaven because I'm going to chugga, 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 choo-choo, make it up there, and every day I'm going to keep another law, and I'm going to try to get better at it. You'll never be good enough. That's a lie. Don't believe it. Number two, here's a lie that I hear a lot of, is that the more a person sins, the more God runs away from them. Since we're, since we're on the subject of sin, what's a lie that people will now feel because they know they're a sinner? Well, I guess God doesn't love me because, man, I've done a lot of those things. I've committed adultery. I murdered on the way here in traffic. If that's what murder is, I committed adultery passing by Humble Park. If that's what adultery is, hello. Let alone I've told lies, I've taken the name of the Lord in vain. I've been jealous and covetous of what others have. I haven't put God always first. I put my own desires before him. I've loved money at times. Oh, dear God, I'm just a wretched sinner. I might as well not go to church today. I've heard that before. I'm such a sinner, God's not ready for me. I better get ready before I go to that church. But that's a lie. Should we ever think that our sins repel God, make him run away and not love us? No, here's the good news, my sinner friend. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So where sin abound, grace did abound that much more. God said to sinful humanity, you can't out-sin my grace. You can't out-sin my grace. My grace is abundant, greater than your sin. Now think to yourself, if God was really God, wouldn't he be bigger than your sin? If he really could die on the cross for sins, wouldn't he be big enough to destroy the power of all sins? So if you're here today, my sinner friend, and you don't think God loves you and that your sins have repelled him from you, you're not believing the truth. Jesus loves you just the way you are. He has not taken him by surprise. He wants to transform you and change you. But yet if you think you're not a sinner, you're in trouble because God only saves sinners. That's the only ones he saves. He doesn't save self-righteous, stuck-up religious hypocrites. He only saves sinners. I don't know about you, but I like looking back on history. Ten years ago, we had the great tragedy of Hurricane Katrina. I used to live there. A few years before the hurricane left, I was out of there, but I sat through some great floods when I was there. Hurricane George passed us by and destroyed some things, but of course, Katrina was just the worst. You saw the pictures. Look it up online. It's a 10-year anniversary. Let me just say something about God's grace. In the midst of that tragedy, I saw the church do something what FEMA and all of the Red Cross, those people couldn't do. I saw the church go down to New Orleans and not only bring supplies, but they brought the love of God. I remember being there just a few weeks after it happened, and I remember watching SUVs drive by, like an Escalade, this one drove by, and they said, we used to have a nice house, but now we have nothing. Do you have a toothbrush for my daughter? Do you have a pillow for my baby to sleep on because we've lost our home? It's something what will change, what will change in you when things change around you, but God's grace never changes, and I was so happy to see the church there, but I don't know about you, but if you were watching what was happening during Hurricane Katrina, 
it probably broke your heart like it did mine because I actually knew people living out those situations. Some of them thought it was going to be like Hurricane George and other hurricanes, maybe just some flash floods, but they would be okay. Most of them didn't know how to swim, and they were in the inner city and didn't have a way to get out if they tried. And so as those waters began to rise, they began to put up things by their doors and hope that the water wouldn't go through their shotgun houses. If you've ever been to New Orleans, they're built on steeples like this, on bricks about this high, and they're a shotgun. Boom, you could shoot right from the, uh, the front door all the way to the back door. And so as they saw that water rise about a foot and a half, you can imagine them taking the pillows and the bedding and starting to put it by the cracks. But it kept rising. And then you can imagine them putting their children on top of their dressers as the water's still rising. And then eventually they had to go out of their windows onto their roofs. And you've seen the pictures. Put one up while I'm preaching, sir. And as they were sitting there and standing there on their roofs, they only had one of two options. We either die or we get rescued. And that's all that mankind has today, my friends. Two options. You either die in your sins and you perish and you go to hell or you get rescued. And the thing about God's amazing grace is he doesn't run from sinners. He runs to sinners. And I remember seeing those videos of the Coast Guards coming and lowering down those places for the people to sit on as they were getting raised up. And you know what? Nobody could say they saved themselves that day. They had to give credit to that coast guard and it's the same thing God is not repelled by our sin for it's only sinners that he saves but he wants to know do you want to be rescued because imagine if that coast guard started to lower down that cot or started to lower down those things and you pushed it away and you said I don't want to be saved go on to some other house you pushed it away imagine you being there you would die you would die my friends and many people did you see, the only difference between sinners going to hell and sinners going to heaven are those who have let Jesus save them. If you believe a lie that you're not a sinner, you can never be saved. If you think you're going to be good enough, you'll never be saved. And if you believe the other lie, that God doesn't love you because of the problems you've had in your life, you will not be saved either. So whether it's a pride of self-adornment, look at me, I don't need God, or whether it's a pride of self-abasement, oh, I'll never meet God because I'm not good enough, you'll get lost either way. Somebody say, don't believe the lies. Thank you, brother. I want you to see as we move on to the third lie that people believe is that Christianity is a self-help religion. How many of you have ever heard the saying, if you don't do it for yourself, ain't nobody going to do it for you? Have you ever heard it? Maybe you didn't hear it so sassy like that. But is that Christianity? Is Christianity a self-help religion? Are you just here today to hear Dr. Phyllis' top talks and topics? And am I your Tony Little for the afternoon? Well, if you just do this and you do a little bit of this and you do this, God's going to accept you. Have we just switched our time from reading books to coming to Sunday services just to get self-help? Or is there literally a transformation of life? You see, Christianity is not just a religion. It's a relationship. Look at what Paul said in Revelation 5. 21. He said, so just as sin ruled over all the people and brought death, God's wonderful grace rules gives them right standing with God, resulting in eternal life. Christianity is not self-help. Christianity is a relationship with God that brings eternal life. You can't get it from a man. You can't get it from any other book. You can only get it from Jesus Christ. So if you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to keep fixing myself and I'm going to keep doing this in Christianity, you will lose. You won't make it. 
Here's the only way you can make it is by saying, Jesus, I'm dead. Would you make me alive? Jesus, I'm lost. Would you find me and save me? Jesus, I am outside of your house. Will you bring me back home? Lord, I'm damned. Would you save me? Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes in him shall not perish because without believing what's going to happen you'll perish so that those who believe don't perish but have what everlasting life let's keep going how many are glad you came to church today amen you can join the baptism folks today too my friends here's another lie that I hear after a person is saved now they can sin as much as they want Maybe you got this confused with confession. Maybe you thought you could sin as much as you want. Go talk to Father Tom in a dark closet, and then he put little num nums in your mouth and tell you to say a few Hail Marys, and you'll be all right. That's not what the Bible says, friends. You show me that one time where confession was done in a dark closet, and I'll be the first one to do it. Other than that, I'll point you to Jesus. You show me the first time that anybody fed another person communion, and I'll be feeding you out of my hand, and you can come like a little bird. And you can get it all that you want, but I will only show you what the Bible teaches you. The Bible says you must come before God and ask for forgiveness. And if you think you're going to keep on sinning and it's all right, you have forgot his wonderful grace. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? You can just imagine somebody sitting in Paul's church. Hey, Paul, is God's grace unlimited? Yes, it is, student. Does that mean no matter how much I sin, he still loves me and forgives me? That's right, student. Oh, Jippy, I'm so happy I can sin as much as I want now. No, that's not what I said. But I wonder how many people here think that same way. Yippity skippity, I'm going to heaven. Certainly I can look at pornography. Certainly I can keep living with my girlfriend or boyfriend who I'm not married to because God's grace is so wonderful. I'll just be forgiven. You see, the idea of forgiveness is attached to relationship. Have I cheated on my wife since being married to her? No, that would violate relationship. But have I made mistakes with her? Have I treated her in an unkind way, talked to her harshly, been impatient with her, been selfish, putting my needs above her own? Yes, yes, yes. Have I sinned since being a Christian? Yes. But have I violated the principle of the relationship? No. Hear that very clearly today. When I sin against my wife in the violation of the relationship, I break trust and she can divorce me biblically. Read it in the Bible. You can divorce the adulterous person who has the literal sexual affair. Why is it there are people that can know Jesus a time in their life, then what my brother said, backslide and go to hell, and he will say to them on judgment day, depart from me, I never knew you. The reason is, is because there are sins that harden your heart and separate you from God. If you think you will use God's grace to keep on sinning, you are abusing what God gave you to live for him. And here's the example I love to give everybody. Imagine if we were at a circus or a carnival or something, and there was a big tightrope above these two two high platforms, and a man said, look, I'm going to go and walk across this platform, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and do it on this tightrope. All of us would say, that's awesome, that's awesome. But then if he said, look, I'm going to do it with a safety net, we'd be like, hey, I understand you don't want to die just in case you fall. Now, would we be impressed if the person with that safety net, if he started to walk, and then he kind of got in the middle of it and bounced and went into the safety net, and then he went back up, and then he walked on it a little bit, bounced, and kept falling into the safety net. Would we be impressed? No, we wouldn't. We would say, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? The safety net was not there so that you could keep bouncing off of it having fun. The safety net was there so that if you fell on your